This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. The award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Hi, thanks for joining us. My name is Bruce Norris. Today, our special guest is Robert Kleinhens. Robert is a PhD, is principal economist and founder of the firm Kleinhens Economics, a leading voice on the economy at the national, state, and local level. Dr. Kleinhens taps over 30 years of experience to present his outlook for the economy and its leading industries and to offer his perspectives on leading policy issues. Dr. Kleinhens is known for his extensive knowledge of the economy and economic policy. He speaks to a variety of audiences that include leaders in business, government, the nonprofit sector, and education. A frequent contributor to the media, he has appeared on CNBC, Bloomberg, NPR, and has been quoted in news outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, the LA Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, the San Jose Mercury News, and numerous Southern California publications. He's a member of the National Association for Business Economics, past president and treasurer of the National Association of Business Economics, Los Angeles chapter, and past treasurer of the Real Estate Research Council of Southern California. Dr. Kleinhens holds a PhD in economics from the University of Southern California with a specialty in urban and regional uh, economics. He also holds an MA in economics from the uh, University of Southern California, BA in economics from the University of Michigan. And Robert, we've known each other for a long time and welcome to our radio show. Well, Bruce, thanks for having me on. It's been a while since we've connected. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, when at the end of 2019, you know, I think uh, as I was looking forward to 2020, 2019 was sort of a, a blah year for real estate. It was, and it had the best set of charts ever. It was crazy. Uh, and when I looked at the charts, you know, you had the gr- best unemployment number, really great interest rates, affordability for California was high as in relationship to other things. And the market was, the real estate market was actually kind of slowing down and losing steam. So generally prices build momentum. And 2018, we went up a little bit more than we did in 2019, but neither year was a boom year. So I got, my first question is when you were looking at the end of 2019 to 2020, what did you, where did you think the real estate market was headed? So, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think to put greater context than this, and we're talking about the market level here, um, if you take a look back, uh, whether we're looking nationally or uh, for the state of California, really in the post-Great Recession era, which uh, during which we had the longest economic expansion on record, right. uh, the real estate market, that is to say the for sale market, really didn't do a whole lot over that entire time period. If you take a look at, say, um, home sales year by year for the yeah. state of California, um, they were roughly in line with the long run average dating back over 30 years, um, despite the strength of the national and the state economy. And despite the fact that, you know, the population of the state of California has been growing, you know, with the exception of this, the, these most recent numbers, but over the last 20 years or so, California's population has been growing, and yet the uh, the housing market, in terms of sales, really hasn't gone anywhere. I think that is very striking, and that's where we were in 2019. I didn't right. expect to see a whole lot of 
uh, uh, change in 2020. There were concerns at the time about the length of the expansion, uh, that is to say the economic expansion, whether or not that was going to continue. I didn't see any reason why the expansion would peter out, but um, I also didn't see any reason to think that the, uh, the housing market was going to veer too far from the course that it had, had been following for quite some time. It was responsive to the interest rate declines that occurred in late 2018 uh, through the first part of 2019. And so that gave me hope maybe that there'd be a little bit of, of heightened activity in 2020. And then, of course, we had COVID that just changed the game all the way around. Yeah. And why do you think that change happened? Because I got to, you know, got to be honest when I when that occurred and I just thought, first of all, if you had told me we'd be wearing masks for a year and a quarter. I probably would have had a really negative reaction to what was about to occur. That would have been my gut reaction. As at the time, I didn't have any context for time, but you know, the immediate 30, 45 days after was devastating to the stock market and to the outlook. I mean, you're sitting at home. That's it, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I gave my last talk uh, prior to the onset of the spring 2020 shutdown on March 11th or March 12th of that of last year. And so that was just a few days before we had already heard that um, certain parts of the economy were going to be shutting down in California. And we all, by that point in time, the stock market had already reacted to what it anticipated would be a problem. But you're right, the magnitude of the problem and the idea that it was going to last several months, not several weeks, was something that um, I don't think any, well, anybody outside of the public health and medical care fields uh, may have uh, been aware of. And so I agree with you. I didn't, I, I thought, and in that March talk of a year ago, talked about, you know, in a matter of weeks, we'll see a correction. We're pushing the pause button on the economy. So we're not shutting down completely. This is not uh, a, a, an event similar to a typical recession. With a typical recession, you've got imbalances in the economy that cause problems in a sort of cascading fashion that wasn't the case initially with the pandemic. We had to shut down. We did so for public health reasons to contain the pandemic. It was over time that um, you know chinks in the armor of the economy and breaks in the supply chains and, and the fall off in spending, those are the kinds of things that have translated into uh, the situation we're in now. Yet, I mean, I think we need to turn uh, toward the more optimistic side of things here in 2021. And by the end of this second quarter, we'll fully recover economic output that was lost during that shutdown. And by uh, maybe sometime next year, we'll fully recover all the jobs that were lost. So it was a traumatic time, no doubt. Why do you think the coronavirus set off such an amazing year for real estate? What, well, again, I mean, I think the, uh, the idea of, of amazing is kind of contextual. We had that um, cratering of sales early on last year. Correct. When the housing market typically moves from off-peak to, uh, to peak se- season. Right. And so that didn't happen. So then I think what, saw, what we saw later in the year was a catch-up effort on the part of the housing market in terms of sales activity. And the home price changes that we're looking at right now are comparisons yeah. against a very weak year ago set of numbers. So, um, and then again, when you take a look at the long-term picture, let's say for the state of California, 
We'll be looking at elevated sales this year, maybe a few percentage points higher than last year, but um, we're not really breaking out of that long run average of, you know, somewhere around 412,000 home sales per year, plus or minus a few percentage points. We're kind of stuck in that mode right now. That's interesting. Now you have a much calmer, or I don't know, um, being in the real estate market, as far as what you're seeing, um, if you own something that's for sale, you're really happy. Yeah. I mean, and, there's and, a ridiculous reaction. The prices are, are going up. The median price, I think the latest number was 813,000. Yeah. yeah. I'm, that, that's kind of what I was talking about. A year, a year over a year, that's an, an amazing number. Those, you know, those percentage gains that we are hearing in the news right now are the of the same magnitude that we saw back in the early 2000s leading up to yeah. the mortgage meltdown, the financial crisis, and of course, the Great Recession. Um, the source, well, the circumstances behind them are quite different right now compared to back then, because right now, you know, even though lending standards might be a little bit easier than they were uh, maybe a, a year ago, uh, and, and I don't necessarily have information to back that up. I'm just uh, conjecturing that that's the case. Um, we've got very creditworthy buyers who are out there, right? We, we, we know that the originate mortgage originations, that the FICO scores accompanying those mortgage originations is somewhere in the neighborhood of 760. So we've got very qualified buyers who are out there. We have the benefit, we meaning the housing market has the benefit right now of uh, demographics and will for the next several years because of the millennials who are moving or currently in uh, prime home buying age for first time home buying. For their, uh, for their generation, they yes, missed for, a decade, right? Now they're catching up. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then interest rates, of course, are low. And so I think as we're looking through this year and into next year, the question is going to be when will interest rates really start to lift um, and I think, you know, because the Fed tends to be reactive, not proactive in its policymaking, and we saw its experience through the Great Recession, I don't think that it's going to move it very quickly to, uh, to increase short-term rates nor uh, change its behavior to allow in, uh, long-run rates, which of course are governed by the market, uh, to, to drift up terribly fast. So, I mean, uh, you know, and, and rising interest rates, of course, are symptomatic at this point in time in the economy, symptomatic of anticipated growth in the economy, and maybe some hint of inflation. Those two together are gonna to drive interest rates up, but I think the outlook is that maybe the 30-year mortgage rate might go up by a half percentage point or so over the next several months, but that's about it. Okay. Yeah, we're, I wanna, I'm gonna circle back around to that subject, deflation and inflation, because I, I find that fascinating and where we are as a, a GDP, we'll talk all about that. Um, I guess I, I also wanted to just touch, this was my thought about what happened in that March to the end of the year scenario in 2020. There was uh, that initial reaction. I'd, I have a friend that uh, was looking to buy a boat. So I never thought about looking at a boat volume chart to tell you what's going on. But he was going to buy a boat in March and then this happened. And of course the real estate business died for 30 to 45 days. So he stopped the purchase. Well, the boat dealer basically lost all the sales he had. 70 boats were pending. None of them closed. So he put that on hold. And then 90 days later, 
his business started kicking in and kicked in really hard and he started doing really well again. So he went to go see about buying the boat again. And he met a very, very happy boat dealer. And the guy had about 800 boats in stock and he had about 700 of them sold in three months. It was crazy. And I, so I, I, when he told me a story, I was thinking, okay, well, what just happened? I think you had two urgent groups. There were people that said, okay, there's no way if you have your house listed, there's no way strangers are going to tour my house. So you pull your listing. So inventory went down almost by half. And then you had this other group of virgin buyers that said, I got to get out of wherever I am. And they moved. And so you had urgent demand meet half the supply and boom. And it's interesting. It also coincided with interest rates that started with a two. And I wonder how many people just said, you know what, let's just refi and stay here. Let's fix the house, add a whatever, add an office. And a lot of that went on. So that's kind of, you know, having thought about how different the outcome was than what I had pictured, trying to think about what, what just happened. I think that's, that's part of it. And, you know, my son, Aaron has friends that bought for the first time in the last few months. And these people just get, had an urgency that they have never had before. And they're 40. Mm -hmm. yeah, that just is strange to me because I always wanted to own a house and that was like the priority in my early twenties. So just a very different reaction. Well, those interest rates were very low and that certainly helped fuel the demand. Uh, and then as you point out, the supply has been very lean and it was extremely lean back then. Remember that uh, for a period of time, uh, real estate was not an essential industry in the state of California. Yeah. So it all but shut down. And then there was a need to, uh, you know, retool and figure out how to show homes online and overcome the constraints that we had um, from a health and safety protocol perspective. And all of those things, you know, the industry figured out a way to deal with. And I thought that that was a, a laudable achievement, like so many other industries that, you know, figured out a way to, to make yeah. things happen. And yeah. one point about the boat, if I'm sorry, Bruce, but so what we saw last year was even as people stopped going to restaurants and going out to movies and taking vacations. So the there's a drop off in um, the purchases of services nationally as it contributed, contributed to GDP, GDP activity. There was a surge in goods consumption. So our expenditures on goods increased. And of course, those people who were financially well off um, and did not really suffer uh, income or wealth loss last year, nobody lost wealth <laughs> in a manner of speaking. Um, they, they bought, you know, uh, durable goods, uh, cars and, and boats and things like that, because they, you know, the money was burning all in their pockets, so to speak. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I think too, I think maybe there was just some urgency about getting to the part of life that you wanted to. In other words, you didn't realize how fragile this stuff was. And now all of a sudden, maybe you're going to do what you paused, you know, for your whole life. I'm going to buy a boat. Darn it. That's what I want. <laughs> Hopefully no. Hopefully this is a once in a lifetime event. So that means yeah. that none of us have gone through that before. And I think you're absolutely right. From an economic perspective, I really think that economists and a lot of business people were, quote, fighting the last war, anticipating that this was going to be an economic downturn similar in nature to an economic recession. This was not a recession. This was a pandemic disruption. Right. Um, and the imbalance, as I said a, a bit ago, uh, the imbalances that typically accompany a recession 
really weren't present. Uh, and then, of course, the um, outflow of support that came from the federal uh, packages, relief and stimulus packages, created a huge backstop that prevented this, uh, this downturn from being as bad as it probably otherwise would have been. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about California's. Uh, now, you talked about California's population growing. Um, 100% of the growth for the last few years, and probably, at least in my opinion, going forward, is the number of births over deaths. So when you add the migration numbers coming in and the migration numbers going out, it's negative, and it's been negative for a long time, which means the only population gain in California is babies. Mm-hmm. Net. So... How does that impact demand for real estate? Obviously, it's doing really well right now, but we're not having more adults and we're not having more family units move here. We're having them net exit. So how does that change the, the prospects yeah. or, the small, or the number so small it doesn't matter? For uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 years, if not for net in-migration, really international in-migration. Exactly. Yes. Uh, California's population would have declined. So we, you're right. We haven't been making enough babies over the last 20 years. Uh, and well, well, that's where all our gains come from. Babies being born over deaths. That's the correct. only numbers we gain. In the but last we haven't decade. been, yeah, but we, we just haven't had the, the natural increase that one would like to see in order to, you know, when I look at that question, I uh, think of it through the lens of our economic vitality, uh, you know, thinking, although this, I don't want to, go too far with this analogy, but think of what's happened with Japan and its aging workforce right. uh, and so yeah. on. So you're right. California um, has really not been able to sustain population growth. Uh, I mean, it, it's relied heavily on international immigration for a couple of decades. Um, as it relates to housing, um, I think, you know, where we are right now, we have a lot of pent up demand for housing. Um, and we have arguably a shortage of housing relative to um, the population that we currently have. So uh, I don't see in the next few years that the population uh, trends are going to have an adverse effect on the demand for housing in California. Um, but you know, you asked me that question uh, maybe five years from now and I may have a different answer. It's okay. just, it's hard to pin down how that's gonna affect the housing market here in California over the longer term. You know, one of the things that we're, we're not doing, interestingly enough, and this has been, been true through the whole boom, like you said, this has been a very different recovery for housing. When you look at, say, 2009 to 2020, that's a long time to have a positive real estate market where it's ever increasing in price. Volume of sales hardly ever changed, 400,000 plus or minus. Um, the prices gradually came back to where they were in 2009. We have not built nearly the number of homes. I mean, usually when you have a peak building, you're talking about single families or condos combined, there's like 150,000 is the number. And we're still at 50,000. You know, we built apartments, but we didn't build single families. So you don't have a, you don't have a big stock of those, uh, and that usually happens too. Like 2005 was a boom year for building and it was a very bad year to have a boom year in building because things were about to change. So we don't have that overhang either. You know, we don't have a, a big inventory problem coming down the pike. And some areas responded differently, right? Like the Inland Empire, 
uh, took longer to come back. Many of the coastal areas of California came back earlier. Of course, the Bay Area uh, went through the roof uh, way ahead of uh, so many other parts of the economy driven by the success of its tech uh, sector. Now, so. what's interesting about that, um, and that was one of the things I was going to bring up, is my daughter moved to Austin, Texas. And as luck would have it, uh, about a mile away, one of the big firms is, was moving from San Jose to Austin. Mm-hmm. And their house that they bought for 300 is, <laughs> it went up to 550 in about a year and a half. And then obviously something happened to where everybody knows this company is going to be migrating employees there. And now the houses are worth 850. I mean, in, in a nanosecond, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So I guess my bigger picture question, are there, is there any concern that California is, and it's not friendly to business. You know, if you look at one of those maps, it's like, okay, 49th out of 50. Is there a danger that there's a sector that will leak out that's really been a big driver? Or is the intelligence, you know, the brain power of the California person up there really uh, going to stay there? Just say, you know what? I, I love where I'm at. I think there are a couple of uh, industries that have been ma- mainstays of the California economy for decades we don't think about this, but manufacturing has been an important part of the California economy, especially the, the tech-related part, but also the aerospace-related part that is predominantly in Southern California, whereas the tech manufacturing, that is to say computers and related, I mean, it has a presence in Southern California, but that a, has a much greater presence in, specifically in Santa Clara County, the Silicon Valley. Um, so uh, certainly tech uh, and I'm using that in a broad sense, tech is a huge contributor to economic growth in the state of California. Depending on how you measure it, it, can, uh, it, it accounts for upwards of uh, 20 to 40% of economic activity growth over wow. uh, some period of time. So it's a huge driver. Um, the, as I say, manufacturing is very important, the entertainment industry and tourism. These are all the heavy hitting industries that are a source of growth. That is to say, uh, it's through activity in these industries um, with the rest of the world, out of state, out of country, that brings new income into the state economy and, and expands the economy. That's different from healthcare. Okay. Healthcare is largely consumed you know, by residents. It's a, what we call local population serving industry, as opposed to these other industries that are um, income producing and export oriented industries. So to answer your question, um, I do think that, uh, you know, there, there will continue to be tech firms that peel off from California and move elsewhere. Um, and, and there will continue to be manufacturing uh, changes in the manufacturing sector, partly due to cost. Okay, so we are a high cost region. Um, and our, our labor costs, uh, whether you're looking at um, a skilled or unskilled worker, our labor costs are relatively higher than they are elsewhere. So there will be some natural outmigration over time. Uh, but uh, we are home to um, this, this concentration of talent, this deep labor pool for each of these industries, whether you're looking at um, tech or you're looking at the entertainment industry, especially here in Southern California, um, or you're looking at, uh, at manufacturing and aerospace. I mean, people you know, gave 
the aerospace up, uh, industry up for being dead here in Southern California uh, about 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though it doesn't employ the same number of people, it is really going gangbusters at the present time. And um, it's not employing line workers, you know, production workers in the same manner, but it's employing a lot of engineers and highly skilled individuals. So I mean, I'm not entirely uh, convinced that uh, we're getting a... Um, uh, an even-handed perspective on this out-migration of, um, of firms from California. And I also just looked uh, the other day at the number of, uh, of births of, of California firms and the number of births of California firms far outdistance any kind of out-migration of firms to other parts of the, uh, the country. I'd love to see that. I mean, I actually, you know, because you do kind of, I, I don't, this is why I love talking to you because I feel like you have a very even approach, you know, not, you know, and I, I don't like when people have one bent or another, you know, because they, they, they actually, I think they skew it unintentionally. Sometimes it's just that that's the research they do and you find evidence and you go, Oh, well, there it is. You know, Bruce, well, can I ask a question. Okay. Yes. So if, if out migration or, or migration doesn't concern you for the economy or real estate in California, does, um, innovation or technology in those sectors concern you at all? Yeah, you know, Joey, that's a great question. California attracts more um, venture capital than any part of the world. So it's not just any part of the country, but any part of the world. And so there appears to be, well, let's put it this way. Private money is betting on California as continuing to be the innovation capital, if you will, of the world. I use that term loosely. So, because I mean, you've got different areas of, um, of in different kinds of industries where different parts of the uh, uh, country and different parts of the world have their edge. Ours happens to be in tech as it relates to computers and things like that. Um, but I mean, I think we continue to be uh, a magnet for that. I think that's one of the best ways to gauge whether or not California continues to be on the quote bleeding edge and as far as innovation is concerned. As far as the business uh, exodus is concerned, um, my research showed uh, based on uh, some numbers that I picked up last night, um, a news report said that between uh, 2008 and 2018, 18,000 businesses left the state of California. When I took a look at um, the net business creation in the state of California over that same time period, we created 220,000 businesses net. Oh, wow. So that's openings wow. versus birth de- uh, business births minus business deaths, wow. net new openings of 220,000. So let's take those two pieces of information together and sure. recognize that, um, that innovation continues to be a, a part of our um, DNA here in California as is entrepreneurship. Um, and so uh, I think we, we should take a look at that and, and recognize that um, those are huge positives for the state, despite all the negatives we hear about. That's a good point. Well, that's going to do it for this week's interview with Robert Klein-Hens. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to catch part two next week. See you then. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. 
The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab.